0: To paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not so famous cases
1: of moida ghosts legends and lore with a healthy dose of debunkin indeed happy halloween everyone happy halloween
0: (laughs) we are we are releasing this episode on halloween as a little extra
1: spooky treat for all of you It's just like not trick or treat. It's just like a you're welcome. Here it is. Here it is. is. (laughs) Well, it's again, how
0: often do our release dates line up with Halloween?
1: Not often at all. Because Halloween doesn't usually land on a Tuesday. It happens like once every seven years, right? Isn't that how it works? Something like that, yeah. (laughs) We haven't done seven years of podcasting yet. Maybe at some point later, we might one day. But uh, yeah, we thought it would be
0: would be fun if we did a little little something extra. So you're getting part two of our two parter on Halloween. Ooh, it's spooky. Uh, but yes, as as I just mentioned, this is part two of a two part episode. If you have not listened to part one. This is not going to make a lot of sense. <laughs>
1: Go back. Listen Go to the back. last episode. Because
0: mm-hmm. we're going to be picking up talking about Rodney Alcala, the dating game killer. Well, when we last left off, uh, it's 1978. Rodney has been doing a lot of shady things, a lot of bad things. Uh, He has escalated from abductions to just full-on murder, brutally murdering and torturing women and young girls. Uh, I did mention this in the last episode, but, but there is some very upsetting content. Some of what we'll be talking about could be quite upsetting, and just prepare yourself for some of the descriptions of of the events that happen and if that's something that might be a little too upsetting again we have lots of other episodes at your disposal. That is true. That is true. Are you ready to get to the like just bonkers part of this, Gabby? <laughs> oh, we haven't done it yet. Okay. We have not done it yet. Um because as I said, it's 1978 and this is this is where something else really weird happens. Uh, something that is again Unconnected to any of his crimes, but the event that would shape his public identity as a serial killer. Okay. Because in September of 1978, Rodney Alcala was a contestant
1: on the dating game. (laughs) What a way to get attention, man.
0: It's a way to do something. Did you ever... I mean, like, the show ran from, I think it was, like, 1965 until 1980 off and on. There's been a bunch of different revivals. There's even been talk of reviving the show again. Did you ever watch, like, old episodes of it?
1: So, funny story. Ooh. Um, My brother was on the dating game. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was. I'm pretty sure it was the dating game. I could be wrong. I don't have the greatest relationship with him. There's that. Um, However... <laughs> he won the dating game he wasn't like one quote unquote like, one he was one of the contestants that got chosen oh, by some he was girl. One of the
0: bachelors yes. one of the
1: bachelors yeah and um he still has this like super shitty recording of a recording of a recording type like <laughs> recording of that's amazing the video um and his hair is just like the best thing he looks <laughs> like <laughs> he looks like aladdin Oh, like, geez. truly, like, the, uh, that, that haircut from the 80s that's, like, super swoopy and big, mm-hmm. long, wavy hair. Yeah. Um, and apparently, yeah, he and the girl didn't really get along. They went to Hawaii and then both went their own ways. <laughs> that's an intense first date. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's very along the lines of all the dating shows that are out there now that I'm horribly obsessed with. Um, but <laughs> You would have also... watched the
0: date. Admit it. You would have watched the dating game back in oh. the 70s.
1: A hundred and ten percent I would have. And I also would have done the same amount of shit talking that I do now. So, <laughs> yes, it, that's part of the reason I enjoy them so much. But, yeah, funny story. Anyway, my brother was on the dating game. I love that story. Not a serial killer to my knowledge.
0: See, now I kind of <laughs> want to see if I can find, like, an actual clip somewhere of that.
1: Of my brother? I
0: yeah. bet I could find it.
2: TBD, I, for
1: another time. That's yes, for another time.
0: Uh, well, if you are unfamiliar with The Dating Game, the premise is that someone, usually a single lady, would question three bachelors who are hidden mm-hmm. from her view. And after asking them some questions, she chooses the one she wants to go on a date with, expenses paid by the show, apparently to Hawaii in some cases. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, so he was somehow picked to be a bachelor on this show. I want you to think about this for a sec. Let's let's break this down. Because, okay, uh, put to the side that he murdered a bunch of women. Because we didn't know that yet. Um, But we did know some things. Like, he's a registered sex offender. Woof. Who brutally raped an eight-year-old girl and left <clears throat> her for dead. Who has multiple marijuana charges. Which, like, okay, fine. That's not really anything. <laughs> but... At least one of those charges was getting a minor to smoke pot. Also because he was holding her against her will. This
1: is the guy. Yikes. You pick for your game show. Nobody's checking anything, are they? I mean, it was the 70s.
0: Guess Nobody checked anything. But like, then the contestant coordinator thought he was striking. All right, Ted Bundy. What's funny is that the other contestants didn't agree. Apparently, Bachelor number two, a guy named Jed Mills, remembers, quote, he was a little creepy. (laughs) I noticed that right away in the green room. He jumps in and says, I always get my girl. Immediately did not like this guy.
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: I also feel like, you know, for as much as there's people being pulled into his stuff, there's people sitting there looking at him, being like, What's wrong with this guy?
1: <laughs> for sure. Uh,
0: honestly, this is all kind of a see it to believe it situation. So we're okay. going to be
1: playing some audio. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, my God. I'm so excited.
0: Uh, we might even want to post some of these clips to our Instagram okay. so you can get the full impact of his facial expressions because let you. Okay. So uh, we're going to play a couple couple clips for you to set the
2: scene. Factor number one is a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of thirteen, fully developed. (laughs) Between takes, he might find him skydiving or motorcycling. Please welcome Rodney Alcala. Rod, welcome.
0: That joke, though. (laughs) Oh, I know, right? The fully developed. I'm like, oh my god. It's like both peak cringe and peak dad joke in the worst possible way.
2: Yeah, yep, 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 yep. I'm a drama teacher, and I'm going to audition each of you for my private class. Bachelor number one. You're a dirty old man. Take it. Come on, (laughs) over here. Uh, uh.
1: What? (laughs) Yeah. That's terrifying. Is this a horror film?
0: I know. I know.
1: Also, like,
0: I'm at this point as creeped out by her as I am by him.
1: I'm not going to lie. Is this normal behavior for everyone? Like, I I mean, it was the 70s. (laughs) I'm just questioning everyone's behavior now. Now I don't know what's legit, like, weird or what's normal. Well, the
0: amount of just, like, secondhand embarrassment I got watching that s- clip specifically, mostly for her. <laughs> You're a dirty old man. Oh, like, God, I hate you. it. You, you, I hate it. I hate it. I hate everything about ooh. it. Like, this would be awful not knowing all of the things we know about him, but knowing all of the things we know about him.
1: It's so much worse than even the reference of a dark room. Like, no. Uh-huh.
0: Let's, uh, let's. Let's play
1: another Show we? <laughs> oh, my God.
0: I don't know if I mentioned this. The Bachelorette, her name was Cheryl Bradshaw.
1: Okay. Uh, So there you go. If you needed a name to put to that audio. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I, I feel like that's just like all of our parents like making jokes now, but mm-hmm. like with the same humor that they with had the in the 70s humor. that mm-hmm. was supposed to be funny. But now is just peak mm-hmm. cringe. Blah. Yeah. All right. Here we go.
2: A bachelor number one, I am serving you for dinner. Oh. What are you called and what do you look like? I'm called the banana and I look really good. Uh, Can you be a little more descriptive? Peel me. (laughs) What?
1: One. later. <laughs> did he just say peel me? He did. Oh. Blech. Blech.
0: Blech. So I Blech. like that you're having these reactions because like if a dude's saying this to me on a dating show, I'd be like, I'd get up and walk away. I would, I would leave the set oh my god do you think cheryl left the set
1: no she loved it she said later i'm gonna play one more clip for you oh cheryl
2: welcome back to the dating game and cheryl we have reached the moment of truth as we call it you've heard from the bachelors you got some great dramatic presentations some good answers but now i'm gonna ask you a question will that date be bachelor number one bachelor number two or bachelor number three who gets the dates Well, I like bananas, so I'll take one. Number one. That's your number one. All right. Well, there they go. However, you did leave one remaining, and this is your date, and I want to tell you something about him, Cheryl. He's a skydiver, so he's got a lot of nerve. He's into motorcycling. He's also a fine photographer. Say hello to Rodney Alcala. Rodney, come on and say hello. Congratulations,
0: Rod. You did it with the one answer. Congratulations. You're going on a date with a serial killer. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, he's a Scott serial killer.
0: <laughs> serial killer who also enjoys <laughs> skydiving. She picked them. motorcycles. Um, but what I find hysterical is that, you know, when they're playing this for the show, she's all into it. But she called the show the next day and said she didn't want to go on a date with him (gasps) because she got a weird vibe and didn't feel comfortable.
1: Oh, yeah, that's accurate. Trust your
0: gut. (laughs) Trust your gut, eventually. Better late than never. And she would say in an interview years later, quote, he was quiet, but at the same time, he would interrupt and impose when he felt like it. He became very unlikable and rude and imposing as though he was trying to intimidate i wound up not only not liking this guy he was a standout creepy guy in my life <laughs> jesus christ
1: that's actually very accurate <laughs>
0: yeah right but i think it shows too like he was able to put on a show a show when he wanted yeah. to yeah but i also find it interesting that he couldn't necessarily help himself because, like, on the show, she was mm. digging whatever vibe he was putting out.
1: but She when, also couldn't see him, though.
0: She couldn't see him. And the behavior must have shifted when they were backstage together. They were probably hanging out in a green room. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, because there's people who are like, oh, she lucked out. She could have been a victim. But I'm like, I, probably not. Like, if he went on a date with her and she then turned up dead. Like, people are dumb. I'm not sure if they're that dumb. Um. Especially when you have, like, video. When you have video, when you have that level of history, too, and the yeah. fact that he's been questioned in other murders and disappearances, I, I, it's, it's not dissimilar to a few times when people have had some close encounters or had close encounters with Bundy where you're like, eh, if people knew you were going out with him and knew who you were, it's, it's just a, a little different. I don't know. No, so- I agree. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, although some people also suspect that this could have been what led to like some escalations because he was embarrassed and he was so like pissed off that somebody would turn him down and reject him because it's a huge power play, right?
1: Yeah, that's fair. So like it's pretty escalated. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. How much more escalated do you need it to be,
0: though? Like, I mean, sadly, depressingly so. We're, gonna, we're, we're hitting a few hard ones coming up. On February 13th of 1979, a 15-year-old girl named Monique Hoyt was trying to hitchhike into town. A man pulled up in his car, asked if she'd like to pose for some photographs. She's flattered. She gets in the car with him. They head to Rodney's mother's house. He said he had some equipment he had to get. By the time they got there, there was no light. It was too late. So she'd have to spend the night at the house with him. God bless the 70s. The next morning, they drove to an area about 80 miles outside of L.A. He led her to a secluded area in the woods, took some pictures of her, asked her to remove her clothes. She did. He took some more pictures of her when suddenly she was struck with a blunt object to the head. So she was unconscious for a bit. She regained consciousness, but continued to pretend to be asleep. So he attacks her, he sexually assaults her, bites her, she screams, he stuffs a t-shirt in her mouth, he chokes her, and she passes out again. Jeez. She woke up again, she was being tied up, but she's still alive. Alcala was sobbing next to her. And somehow, at 15, she was able to stay calm and knew the best thing she could do would be to get him to trust her. Damn. So she told him she liked him. She asked if he was okay. She said, could we go back to your house? So he untied her and led her back to the car. He drove back to town, stopping at one point to use the restroom, and this is when Hoyt made a run for it. She ran into a hotel near where they stopped and said to call the police. After being taken to the police station, Monique would identify Alcala from a picture, like immediately. So they had, uh, so the police go to Rodney to question him. He's at his mother's house. He can't produce an alibi. They arrest him. He's charged. His mother posted his bail. Oh, mom. And this would prove um, there would be some fatal consequences to this. Oh, no. In June of 1979, 21-year-old college student Jill Parento went to a Dodgers game, and this would be the last time anyone would see her alive. She didn't show up for work the next day. Police were called. When they arrived at her apartment, it was obvious someone had forced their way in. She was found in her bedroom, sexually assaulted, with wounds in her vaginal and rectal area as well as scratches on her breast. Her body was propped up with a pillow next to her bed. Her face and head had been beaten. She'd been strangled so brutally there was a massive hemorrhage in her thyroid voice box and epiglottis area. The autopsy showed she had a scalp laceration that was six inches from side to side.
1: Oh my God.
0: And again, like his other victims, most of these wounds were inflicted when she was still alive. That's messed up. It would not be until 2004 when DNA would be tested and Alkala would be linked to her death. It would also come out she had met him before. She had been at a club with a friend about a month prior to her murder and had been friendly with him. Her sister, Deidre Ann, would say, quote, I'll never forget what it was like to see my mother, who always held her emotions in control, sob uncontrollably over losing her youngest daughter. Shortly after Jill's murder, Rodney Alcala would strike again. Uh, June 20th of 1979 he headed to Sunset Beach he approached some young women asking to take their picture but couldn't get them to come with him he headed down to Huntington Beach approached 12 year old Robin Samso and her friend Robin's friend refused and a parent walked over to see why this man was talking to two children because
2: they were children
0: (laughs) yeah so he moved on Later that afternoon, she was running late to get to the ballet studio where she would answer phones to pay for her classes. Her friend told her to take her bike, which she did. Later in the evening, Robin's brother called to see if Robin was still there, but she had never arrived at the studio. Police were called. Her mother, Marianne Connolly, would later say, I called the police and said my daughter's missing. They told me they couldn't take a report for 24 hours. (sighs) By the next morning, they declared it a kidnapping. So go
2: police. Does <clears throat> my friend... I'm oh. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> just
0: wait. Oh, great. Wonderful. It's gonna get worse. Can't
1: wait. All right. Thank you for the heads up.
0: Her friend recalled the strange man who had approached them earlier in the day gave the police a description of him and a sketch was created. Ronnie Alcala's parole officer recognized him from the sketch. And this is the part that really upset me Uh so i was looking through some court records someone witnessed him with robin oh damn um just prep yourself for some rage okay now this is all quotes from uh uh, some court records that i came across dana crappa was a seasonal worker for the united states forestry service On the same day Samso disappeared, Crappa was driving in the remote region of those hills and came across a Datsum F-10 parked on a turnout. There was a dark-haired man pushing, or forcefully steering, a blonde-haired young woman towards a dry stream bed. Crappa did nothing about the sighting, even though she thought it strange.
1: Oh, that makes me mad.
0: It's not done. Oh, no. The next day, she was again returning to her barracks and had the occasion to pass the same area. The same car was parked nearby the original site, and this time the man was leaning against the nearby rock. He appeared to have dirt or stains all down the front of him. She felt there was something wrong with this scenario, but again, told no one and did nothing about it. Krappa tentatively identified Alcala as the man she saw.
1: I think her last name describes her um, ability to do the right thing.
0: (laughs) It is an unfortunate last name.
1: Uh, uh, karma. That's what that is.
0: Oh, it's gonna get better or worse. Oh, great. mostly
1: worse. Oh, geez. Okay.
0: Five days after the original sighting, Krappa again returned to the site, this time to satisfy her curiosity about the scene. She discovered a mutilated body of a young girl whose head had been partially severed from the body and whose hands and feet had been severed. Surprisingly, she did not report this finding, nor did she reveal it to anyone, feeling guilt over having not reported what she'd seen five days earlier.
1: What is wrong with this girl?
0: What she would say later, because obviously this all came out. Because well, if she was she was traumatized by it all. Which I'm I am trying to I am trying to give some grace to the fact that you see something weird, you don't say something, you realize that you should have said something because you discover the body of a young girl and maybe you disassociate. You, you, um, I mean like, and at that point, mentally she may have blocked some of it out. I don't know. Sure. I, it's, it's a hard situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's a hard situation. Four days later, Crapper recounted she was part of a spraying crew, which included William Popke. Popke came upon a pile of bones in the same area. Thinking the remains were those of a deer, he picked up a bone and tossed it at her. She knew it was no deer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yikes. That night, said Crappa, she visited the sign again. It was dark, but closer to the roadway. Her flashlight beam caught a shiny object. She could not say for sure that it was a knife, but believed now that it was. She saw the body drawn out and skeletal by then, the right arm missing. She found some blonde hair. The shorts, T-shirt, and tennis shoe were still there. Three days later, Popke discovered the skull, and the authorities were finally called.
1: So how long? How much period time had gone by? Twelve days. Jesus 12 Christ. days.:
0: So 12 days after she disappears, her body is officially found in the Sierra Madres. Initial identification was hard because animals had scavenged the body.
2: Oh, God.
0: According to the same court documents, quote, July 2nd, 1979. By this time, however, wild animals had so disrupted the decomposed remains that it could not be determined what had caused the death or whether the person had been sexually assaulted. At this time, the skull was completely separated from the spine, and the front teeth were smashed in. A cane-cut kitchen knife was found near the main portion of the remains, and less than a mile away, Samso's beach towel was discovered with blood on it of a type consistent with that drawn from the bone marrow of the remains. Her personalized tennis shoe was found too, but that was the sole piece of clothing retrieved. And this next bit breaks my heart. Um, her mother is told that her her daughter's body has been found and this is a a quote the sergeant says we found robin i grabbed my purse and said okay let's go he said where do you think you're going i said to go see robin but she was told the body was too badly decomposed for her to identify jesus Dental records would confirm it was the body of Robin Samso, as well as the shoe found at the scene, which took them apparently three days. And she goes on, I got so mad. I said, three days? How many little girls with long blonde hair disappear in California? And he said, there was no hair. Because of how badly decomposed the body was.
1: Oh, God, that's terrible.
0: I mean, they couldn't tell the exact cause of death as a result but it was obvious she'd been hit in the face because some of the teeth were broken right now Rodney cut his hair right after Robin's murder he also straightened it and he told his girlfriend at the time he wanted to move to Southern California or Texas to start a photography business he told other friends he wanted to move to Chicago Uh, he knows he's on borrowed time he knows it's only a matter of time he cannot stay in California Mm mm-hmm on July 24th of 1979, he was arrested at his mother's house and charged with Robin's murder. While searching his home, authorities found a receipt for a storage facility in Shoreline. What? So close to home. So close to home. It appeared he'd gone to Seattle right after Robin's murder, which, again, is so weird to me. All of these just connections. Yeah, that's um, weird. So police went and searched this locker, and they found thousands of pictures of men and women, many of them sexual. They also found a number of items of jewelry, thought to be trophies that he took from his victims. Among the jewelry items was a pair of gold ball earrings that had been worn by Robin. One question that comes up a bit, though, is why Seattle? Had he been up here before? Did he know the area? Does he have victims in Seattle? Press save on that.
1: Okay, saving.
0: His trial began in 1980. He was charged with the murder of Robin Samso. One of the key witnesses was Dana Crappa, who testified to having seen him with Robin and later seeing the body. The defense came down on her hard to discredit her because she waited so long to come forward uh, about what she'd seen, which also, you know, I can't blame him. As far as the defense strategy, that's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. So his attorneys questioned her. So you're telling the court that you didn't feel it was your responsibility to tell the police what you saw. Crappa. No, the interviews by the police were so intense, I was unsure even if what I thought I saw was really the truth. I was in such an emotional state that I was unable to come forward both mentally and physically.
1: Okay, I, okay. I can understand that. But also, sure. like, I don't know. It's still pretty messed up.
0: They continued. So why not tell the police about the body? Her response: Today was the first time I told anybody about finding a mutilated body on June 25th because I had a mental block. I couldn't remember certain facts.
1: Did they bring in like a psychiatrist at all to talk about that out of curiosity? Uh, you know what? I'll have to look. Because I'm not sure. I feel like. You mean, that's to, something... I, I don't
0: know that they did to speak specifically to her testimony. I'm sure there were psychiatrists yeah. who testified.
1: Oh, sure. I, I think more specifically um, to validate her testimony. Because uh, I feel like if they had, they could speak to like the trauma of seeing a dead body and like having a mental block to protect yourself or what yeah, have you. I don't know. I don't know if that's strictly how criminal trials work, but. Um... I think it yeah pr- it's probably probably not if it's a witness maybe it's more so for the um if they were the trying used person e- Exactly. If they were trying to like
0: discredit the witness or make a motion for why somebody shouldn't respond they might do or like you know why certain testimony shouldn't exist maybe. I but I'm I am not a lawyer. I might be speaking on my own. It's very possible. But also I
1: feel like that it sounds like they were trying to credit or discredit her Based on the timing of when she came forward and why she didn't respond right away. Well,
0: you're also right? setting something up f- for grounds for an appeal, potentially. Okay. Like, because I, I, a lot of times you establish certain things during a trial. So if you are found guilty, you can bring this up on an appeal.
1: That's true. Okay.
0: So his attorney played a tape from an interview she had with police where she said she hadn't seen anything. So again, Uh, decent tactic to try to discredit her it was not their only tactic Alcala argued that he did see Robin he did interact with her but he didn't murder her folks so he told an inmate that he had slapped her unconscious but he didn't stab her so why would he why
1: would he even I don't understand where's the logic So this inmate would
0: later testify that Alcala had told him that no one would ever find the bike, and it wasn't a crime to take pictures. Alcala admitted to getting her in his car and locking the door so she couldn't get away, and that she seemed worried, scared, and wanted to get out of the car. Oh, you think? Yeah. Like, no shit, dude. Um, he asked her if she'd ever posed nude, and she started crying. This is when he slapped her, and she became unconscious. But he didn't murder her! He just left her in some mountains and abandoned the bike. As an offense, that's not great. (laughs) No. I didn't kill her, folks. I slapped her and left her in the mountains somewhere, but I didn't do it. I didn't kill her. I didn't stab her. Which, when they're not exactly sure her cause of death, way to put that out there.
1: Wait, so they didn't know that she was stabbed
0: yet, and he said, I didn't stab her? There had been a knife found, so I think it was an assumption, but again, the body was so badly decomposed, they couldn't determine the cause tell. of death. They couldn't tell. That's yeah. true. Okay. So I, I think, I, I'm, I'm guessing he was just responding to, like, well, there was a knife, and you had a knife like this. Um, I didn't stab her, everyone, but it, it's also kind of like, you, you're putting that out there. that. <laughs> Uh, To the surprise of no one, he's found guilty. He's sentenced to death in the gas chamber. But this is not the end, because he appealed the sentence and four years later won a new trial. The verdict was overturned because the jurors had been informed of his past crimes, and that was deemed to have unfairly influenced them against Alcala. A new trial starts in 1986. He is once again found guilty and sentenced to death. And now he figures, I've got some time on my hands. What should I do with myself? What to do? What to do? Maybe I should write a book. Gabby, I read this book. Oh, God. I'm not happy about it. It's called (laughs) You, the Jury. It's a trip. Uh, It's all about how he's innocent, obviously. Includes such gems as... An innocent man agonizes on California's death row, convicted of Robin Samso's murder. He also has been victimized, not by an unknown assailant, but by the seeming conspiracy of the trial judge, the district attorney, the defense attorneys, and now the California Supreme Court. Each pursued their own agenda, unfettered by conscience, justice, or truth. Each contributed in denying the man his constitutional right to a fair trial. I am that man
1: oh it's like hey what's got two thumbs and is innocent this, this guy This guy. wow
0: do you feel bad for him no poor, poor man no oh.
1: i want to burn that book
0: <laughs> it's actually remarkably hard to get a hold of good no i yes i'm not offended by that fact but i did want to see what he said as part of the research because i'm fair me.
2: yeah um
0: he tried to rebuke all these sightings of, and this is what he would title things. Quote, a curly-haired photographer. And he, so each section where he's like, you know, saying, oh no, this wasn't me, were titled like curly-haired photographer. It wasn't Rodney. So they don't have a name? No, that's what he would title it, curly-haired photographer. It wasn't Rodney. That would be like the title of the section. Oh my God. Over and over. Curly-haired photographer. It wasn't Rodney. Uh, it wasn't Rodney, guys. Pack it up. We can go home Oh, my now. God.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: Like, reading this thing, it was so bonkers. Um, I do kind of want the time I spent looking at it back, but uh, <laughs> there was sections just entitled The Jailhouse Rat Conspiracy.
1: What? That should be the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, he that does- would be I- such a fun title. <laughs> like, uh, would no, be- one no one would understand what it, what it meant, no. but it would be funny. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I will say he gets into the whole storage locker in Seattle thing. He says he rented it because he decided he wanted to move to Seattle, not Texas or Chicago, like he was telling everyone, which, like...
1: Sure. why? OK?
0: According to his book, he picked Chicago." According to his book, he picked Seattle because, quote, "For the flimsiest of reasons, it was a city I had never been before, and there was a film lab there, which I was doing business. I told no one that I had
1: picked Seattle. Okay. Also, <laughs> lots of woods to hide dead people. Exactly. Mountains, woods. Learn from our lake. friend uh, Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, this is post this is Bundy. Actually be-
0: yeah. No, it's post Bundy. Um, Bundy was uh, 74 to 78. Yeah. Uh, Bundy's in, on death row at this point. Um, I am still wondering, though, is this the first time he's been in Seattle? Mm, was part of the motive that it was a place he'd never been and no one would know him? Maybe. In 2001, he appealed again. He got his death penalty overturned because he argued he did not receive a strong enough defense from his attorney. Okay. It is now 2003. The case is going forward a third time. This was insanely challenging for the family of Robin Samso.
1: I can imagine.
0: Yeah. Being subjected once again to not only a trial, but having to face this man who brutally murdered their daughter. Her brother would say, it takes me everything I have to not jump over the chairs and grab him by the head and smash his head into the table. That is what I think about. The worst part of it is that you have to tell your kids, I can protect you. But in your heart, you know that there are monsters out there and you really can't. Oh, that's messed up. But then there's an unexpected breakthrough Mm. because technology has advanced. We now have DNA testing. Ah, yes. And they had that sample. Oh, they had more than one sample using DNA technology. He is now linked to Charlotte Lamb, Jill Parenteau, Georgia Wickstead and Jill Barkham. Oh, dang. This changes his status, though, from a murderer to a serial killer. In 2006, it was agreed that all five of these murders would be consolidated into one trial instead of doing five separate trials. That makes sense. He was fighting hard to represent himself uh, because, you know, that worked great for Bundy. (laughs) I was just going to say Bundy part two. (laughs) But he won. He was allowed to be his own lawyer. His third trial began on January 11th of 2010. His defense of himself sometimes turned into this like bizarre He'd, like, be interviewing himself and use a deeper voice to answer the questions he asked himself.
1: <laughs> Again, there's no proof for personality disorder or anything no. here. He's just being weirdo. Okay. Uh,
0: there was another unexpected surprise, though. For the first oh. time, Tally Shapiro testified against the man who'd brutally raped her and left her for dead. Damn. He would later apologize to her in court, and she would say... He never apologized before, and for him to even bother, I mean, that made me sick to my stomach. Rightfully, I get it. On February 25th of 2010, he was once again found guilty for the third time and once again found himself facing death row. Family members of the victims addressed Alcala in the courtroom. Georgia Wickstead's sister, Ann McElena, spoke of the impact it had on her. For 25 years, I looked over my shoulder, never knowing who or what I was looking for. I never felt safe. I still feel anxious when I walk in a dark house. Bruce Barkum, brother of Jill Barkum, said, There's murder and rape, and then there's the unequivocal carnage of a Rodney Alcala-style murder and rape. Give up your dead, Rodney. All victims, all states, all occurrences own your truth. Get it. While on death row, he was finally linked to the two murders in New York City. In January of 2013, he pled guilty to the murders of Cornelia Crilly and Ellen Hoover. Authorities decided that now was the time to see if they could link him to any more murders. So they released the pictures that they'd found in his storage locker in Seattle, hoping to identify some possibly missing persons, possible additional victims. Uh, though they released a number of pictures, there were even more they withheld because of the graphic sexual nature mm-hmm. of the pictures. So in 1977, Christine Thornton, known by Chris to her friends and family, decided to travel with her boyfriend from where they were living in San Antonio to Montana to pan for gold. She was a free spirit, 27 years old, tall. She was 5'10", had dark hair and dark eyes. She was also six months pregnant. At some point, her boyfriend left her. She's probably hitchhiking somewhere around Wyoming. That's by messed the up. S- <laughs> that's messed up. By the summer of 1978, her sister went looking for her, but was not allowed to file a missing person report because Chris was an adult. In 1982, remains were found by herders. The remains were a young woman, thought to be 25 to 35, not identified at the time. They also found remains of an infant. Oh, the bones had been there for some time. They estimated since about 1977, but no other information was forthcoming, and the case went cold. In 2013, the case was handed over to sheriff's deputies to see if they could get any new hits. Finding out they still had access to the remains, they sent them to be tested. At the same time, Chris's sister looked through the photos that had been released from Alcala's storage unit. Among them, there was a picture she immediately recognized as her sister, Chris. Oh no. She submitted her DNA to the National Database, and in 2015, the remains were finally positively identified as Chris Thornton. Love DNA. Love it. From a rough timeline they put together, the murder most likely happened when Alcala had been given permission to travel from California to New York on his vacation. During the drive, he must have met up with Chris. In 2016, he was charged with first-degree murder in Wyoming, but at this point, he was 73 and in poor health, confined to a bed. He was shown the picture and would not admit to taking it, but said he didn't kill her. (laughs) Sure, dude. Again. (laughs) The charges have not been dropped, but it was decided because of his poor health and being on death row already, what's the point to extradite him to Wyoming for a trial? Also, just in case you were worried he wasn't still disgusting, apparently while being questioned, he pretended to be asleep and traced his finger along photographs he was shown of the victim.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So. Jesus. On top of Chris Thornton, at least six families said they believed they recognized loved ones who disappeared years ago and were never found. 21 more people identified themselves in the pictures. Alcala was linked to a few killings in Seattle as well. Um, Antoinette Tony Whitaker, age 13, had been living in a foster home, was seen leaving with a man with long, reddish-colored hair on July 9th of 1977. Her body was found a week later, fully clothed in Lake City, appearing to have been posed on her hands and knees, had been there for about a week. She'd been stabbed to death and didn't appear to be sexually assaulted. I'll say for this one, it's a little stretch, like... The stabbing was not generally his preferred method, Mm -hmm. uh, and he usually sexually assaulted them in some manner. So really, the only other connection I see is that the body appeared to have been posed, um, which, you know, Alcala is not the first killer to do that. So uh, for me, this one is a stretch, but it, it doesn't mean that he he was not responsible. He was also linked to the death of Joyce Gaunt. Her body was found on February 17th of 1978 at a picnic area at Seward Park. She'd been beaten, strangled, and sexually assaulted. When she was found, she was nude, her skull had been crushed. In 2019, the state of California put a moratorium on the death penalty. Alcala's sentence was commuted to life in prison. Through the years, he was asked to help identify additional victims. He has always refused to cooperate, which is is frustrating because without his cooperation, There was a lot of victims who will probably never be identified. There's most definitely more. For sure. Uh, This is a man who'd sometimes, again, leave the bodies posed for when they were found, would render them unconscious, wait for them to regain consciousness so he could torment them more. He has eight confirmed victims, and Chris Thornton would make it nine with a handful of other possible victims. To this day, we don't know exactly how many people he killed. The estimates go as high as 130, which I personally find a little doubtful. Yeah. Uh, Tali Shapiro would say in an interview later, I am one of Rodney Alcala's first and one of his only living victims. It should have stopped with me. Why in the world are there so many other victims when it was a known fact what he did to me? And it is hard to not speculate how many lives could have been saved if he was held accountable back then. Sure. On July 24th of 2021, Rodney Alcala died at the age of 77. As news of his death reached people impacted or involved in his case, there was a lot of strong feelings. Uh, Jeff Scheman, who worked as an investigator on one of his cases, I thought, put it very well when he said, He's where he needs to be, and I'm sure that's in hell. When I interviewed him back in 2016, he was the most cold person. Everything about that guy just gives me the creeps. Accurate. And that's the story of Rodney Alcala. Damn. Uh, Again, uh, another on a list of ones that I kind of find when you start digging into, I'm surprised he's not a person that gets spoken of more. Yeah. The whole case is just so bonkers. Um, for sure. Yeah. And you can view, uh, the photos that, that have been released, uh, that have yet to be identified. So, you know, if, <laughs> if you have, uh, someone in your family, somebody who, who may have disappeared back in the, in the seventies, uh, take a look through, you know, the, at this point with him gone, the, only real hope of identifying any of the people in the photographs are are people still living taking a look um still looking
1: for people yeah
0: yeah well cuz it's it's if we don't have bodies we can't even look at dna evidence right and it's hard to say at this point even if we find some bodies uh it's there's not going to be dna evidence left behind from him so the best we can kind of hope for at this point is to identify people knowing um he was potentially responsible but not being able to positively link him and he's dead now so not a lot of hope no
1: (sighs) not to end on kind of a bummer but (laughs) i know but i was gonna say it's more frustrating that there were so many missed opportunities to hold him accountable i think that's the thing that
0: gets me about this case is that and there's a a handful of other cases like this that i look at and i'm like no one's surprised no one was surprised by what happened he did these things. We know he did like, we know he did horrible, horrible things and he was not properly held accountable then. And, and then he, he continued. continued to get away with it. He yeah, continued exactly. to get away with it. And I know, I know it was the seventies. Like stuff was <sighs> looser than there wasn't the level of technology to track people. I know, I know that it's, it's sometimes really easy to look back on historical cases with a, 2023 sensibility and say how could this happen but I I think Tally Shapiro says it very well because Mm -hmm. um, it should have ended with her case I agree um but, uh, yeah, happy Halloween, everyone. Go hate yourself just a little bit for now knowing all of these things. <laughs>
1: just a That's a different kind I of do. Halloween story. Yeah,
0: it's not It's not ghosts. It's not creepy things. Uh, just living creepy things. Like it's people. just living creepy. Th- I, I think the last couple of years when I've done a Halloween episode, I've tried to kind of keep something that was maybe a murder, but then done super, something supernatural. This is not that one. This is just a serial killer who was... A really messed up person, and it's uh, it's just sad. It's just really sad.
1: That's true. And you know, we had to have some balance with vampires. So here you go. <laughs>
0: it's true. Here you go. Uh, you're welcome, folks. You're
1: welcome. If you want a paranormal topic, just go look at our history of episodes. Oh, yeah, we got plenty.
0: We got plenty. Even <laughs> our Franklin Castle things. episode from not too long ago.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. But anywho, thanks for doing that, Kim. Good mm. job on the double 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 down
0: (laughs) thank
2: you
1: on the the shitty dudes who kill people and uh yeah man i love the distinguishing he cut his hair and straightened it yeah (laughs) bro (laughs) we still know what your face looks like dude um sadly unfortunately anyway shitty people Mm -hmm. yay um and this brings us to Creepy Critics Corner. Creepy Critics Corner. (laughs) Kim, what else have you been watching?
0: Oh, so many things. Uh, These are words I never thought I would say. (laughs) I went and saw Saw 10. And I (gasps) liked it.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Impressive.
0: Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the franchise. I liked the first one. I thought the first one was great. I liked the second one. The second one was entertaining. Then there's a bunch of other movies <laughs> uh, that are kind of a hot mess, in my opinion. That they, they just get very overly complicated. Um, mm-hmm. The whole premise of the films are that you know Jigsaw John Kramer I- is dying of cancer, so you knew he was on a limited time. But he gets killed off. This isn't this happened long enough ago. I don't care that this is this is not really a spoiler. He does get killed off in like the third movie and appears via flashbacks after that. So what Saw 10 did was actually go back to a time between Saw 1 and Saw 2. So John Kramer is still alive. John Kramer is the protagonist of the movie. So you're you're following him and what happens to him. And I got to say, that was a smart move. Because, like, you know, he's a great actor. Uh, uh, Tobin um, Bell's a great actor. And it was... Again, a, a a good watch. It brought back Amanda too, who I think is a great character. Uh, and the the antagonist in it is somebody where you're like, ah, you actually kind of meet him in the Smarts department. So there's genuine. I don't know. It's not just let's you know, see how creative we can be with our kills. There's, there's tension. There's, there's, there's a plot. There's a plot, Gabby. There's an actual plot. I know. Uh, So, yeah, I, I genuinely enjoyed Saw 10. So if you, like me, liked the first movie or two and then kind of stopped enjoying them, you will probably enjoy Saw 10. If you don't like, the movies in general then you're probably not going to like Saw 10 this isn't going to suddenly make you like them but uh, no it was a good time Uh, I also watched a movie called The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster oh I heard about that yeah it's a uh, modern take on Frankenstein and um, it's it's good it's the the lead actor is fantastic uh she is she is just spectacular and really sells it uh and I think part of what makes it work is that the the premise of it is she's you know 17 year old girl and her her mom dies because of of violence Uh, her mom is is you know a victim of a of a shooting and then her brother dies because of of um violence in her in her neighborhood in the projects and she's she's brilliant uh science brain she decides to steal her brother's body because she's going to bring him back to life because much like victor frankenstein she believes that death is a disease that can be cured cool but part of what made it work for me is that she's 17 so you have that kind of naivete that a teenager has of i think this thing and i must be right and i'm going to do this and it it makes some of what happens afterwards forgivable in a different way cuz like victor frankenstein you're like bro you should have known better <laughs> um it's not it's not perfect like it it's uh, there's some pacing stuff there's some script stuff there's some sure. but in terms of something that felt really innovative and fresh, and also just like in the current climate
2: mm-hmm.
1: relevant,
0: uh, it was yeah. it was really well done and, and really really interesting to watch. Um, so I, I, I recommend giving it a go. I watched it on Shudder Streaming, okay, uh, cool. But it's I think available on some other some other. I sites, think you can so. watch
1: it on Prime too. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up because I saw it and it looked really good and I mm-hmm. I've been like saving stuff and I've also noticed on Netflix all the movies that I've been like meaning to watch are mm-hmm. all new on Netflix and I'm super mm-hmm. excited. Nice. I just need to like have time <laughs> to What's sit time? down and do things um, because I don't. <laughs> I don't what have is s- time? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you would think I would because. Of my current circumstance, but unfortunately mm. I do not. Um, <clears throat> but I've been meaning to watch Get Out. I've been meaning to watch Us. Oh, that's right, I haven't seen any seen of those. No, I've always wanted to. I just have not because Terrence won't watch them with me, but all of a sudden, like, Rude. now he wants to watch horror movies, and I'm like, alright, cool, let's do it. We just have to, like, have the time um but good good news is is that we'll watch this stuff anytime throughout the year not just during spooky season so now i've gotten him to uh, admit that he'll do it and now we just have to do it so i did not watch any of those films yet but i'll let you know when i do all
0: right i look forward to it
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I want to watch the one that you just watched, too. So thank you for the recs. Mm-hmm. I need to like you and I need to talk outside of this to get to some top recommendations at some point.
0: Yeah, because you but, had said, you had like a list of titles and there's some that I can tell you to like
1: not watch. Gear, go
0: towards this or stay away from this. And it's yeah, yeah, not yeah, worth yeah. it or it's yeah. not. Yeah, we'll
1: sidebar after this. But um, yeah. I actually have been watching a show called Encounters on the Netflix um it is about uh aliens which is super fun it's a new show which is kind of interesting so like everything that they have on there it's not like one of those alien shows that's from like 1992 that just like is repurposed for netflix it's actually like a netflix documentary Hmm. about and it's like a docu-series so there's a few different episodes i haven't finished it yet i've just seen the first episode because again time um but It's got people that have worked within the government that no longer work within the government that are speaking about what they've witnessed. And there's some wild shit, man. I know it's kind (laughs) of like it's newer information based on information that is more recent, which is cool. Mm. Um, So if you're into that kind of thing and you want to learn more, highly recommend. It's really hard to... Scully, a lot of the stuff that they bring up, which is what intrigued me the most about it. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> best use of Scully outside of this podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's good. I also recommended this to you. I know you haven't listened to it yet. It is a podcast. Um, I know I've mentioned in previous episodes, I started taking, I'm going back to school, I'm studying psychology. So I'm wanting to listen to more. Podcasts having to do with psychology. So I looked up some different podcasts. There's one called "Speaking of Psychology" that is done by the American Psychological Association, so it's pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have some really interesting topics. And one of the topics that I listened to recently um, was an episode about the paranormal. Mm. And it's actually it's called "Ghosts, Ouija Boards, and ESP: Psychology and the Paranormal," and Speaking of scullying, if you want all of your hopes and dreams about anything paranormal to be just like debunked immediately, listen to this episode. Um, but it, it was really intriguing to listen to. And I think there have been times where we've talked about certain topics that we've covered and the psychology behind why someone thinks something is paranormal when it isn't and it's so fascinating to me to learn about um, and learn about parapsychology a little bit more Mm -hmm. and so if you're into the science behind that you might also like this particular episode of the podcast podcast itself is not paranormal podcast it's a psychology podcast but the one episode that is about that it's funny it came out on October 27 2021 so it's pretty old but on Halloween weekend (laughs) Yeah, same there weekend. Go. I got married. Actually funny. <laughs> funny enough. Um, but anywho. Yeah, that's what I've been watching and listening to. And it's funny because we're actually recording this the day after <laughs> the first part of this. That's true. Um, so and the I, day part is giving us a lot of trouble. Oh, I'm so sorry for the editing of this episode. If it's not great, <laughs> you know, it's because we recorded during the day, during the week, which we don't normally do. They're um, doing construction outside my window. <laughs> oh, so fun. But because of that, <laughs> the things that I've been watching are a little bit more slim because we just talked about other ones yesterday. It's true. <laughs> um, but we'll have more for you next time, I promise. <laughs> but anywho happy Halloween please happy stay Halloween. safe and don't do anything stupid um, but you know enjoy yourself have a seance do whatever you you do to have a fun time and eat all the candy um, and I will die on this hill that I love the Halloween pumpkins that are made out of candy corn hate me for <laughs> it love me for I it like I love them too some people are like candy corn belongs in the trash okay but yep. the pumpkins are delicious and candy corn in small amounts f- fine with also, it also like just, then don't eat it people like yeah, i don't never understand me. the hate towards certain like
0: it's cool you don't have to like something just don't eat it but if somebody likes it why are we trying to kill joy says kim delphin <laughs> well, there's a difference between killing someone's joy because they're <clears> wrong <throat> and killing because they like something
1: <laughs> what, what a way to with those, end up episode. <laughs> Said that, thank you so much for listening. Happy Halloween. Enjoy yourselves. And, um, you know, if you like what we do, head on over to Patreon. Give us your money, please. And uh, enjoy some extra content. Or go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and give us a review and a rating. We really appreciate it. You can find us anywhere that you find podcasts and anywhere you can look up Ghoulish Tendencies Podcasts on social media. Um, and having said that, thank you so much for listening and stay spooky!
2: Let's go.